Can we give thanks to God for Kristen and Michael being with us today and our, our worship team? Kristen and I have been friends for a long time. We've known each other and been in ministry for a long time together, and I'm just so glad to get to be with her and have been so blessed to get to know Michael over the last few years, and they're just great, great friends and, and partners in ministry, so thankful to have them with us today. Wake up! That's what I heard one night about two o'clock in the morning as I was lying there in, in peaceful sleep on one of the last nights of the summer. I've, some of you have heard me tell about my summer that I spent working for a youth mission organization called YouthWorks. And during that summer, we basically uh, lived in a church and facilitated mission trips for youth groups. They would come from all over the country, and I was the site director for this site in Niagara Falls, New York, and the church that we lived in for the whole summer was right in the heart of downtown. And so groups would come stay with us during week, and they'd stay in the church and do mission work during the week. But on the weekends, it was just the four of us. It was myself and, and these three young college students that made up my staff for the summer. And uh, I'll never forget one night, it was a a Friday night, and so it was just the four of us in the church, and I was sleeping in my little cot. I had a little cot in an office on the second floor of this, this little church, and, and on the first floor was the other three staff members, and so, uh, so I was the only one on that floor, and once I went upstairs for the night, I was usually there, and I didn't see anybody else until the next morning, except on this one particular night, I remember it was about two o'clock in the morning, and I heard this, this scream slash whisper, if you can imagine that, it sounded like this, wake up, wake up. And, and I was obviously like a little disoriented and confused. And so it took me for a few minutes uh, to get my bearing. And, and, and beyond hearing that, I felt this breath on me. I felt someone breathing on me as they said, wake up. Can you imagine being woken up in that way, uh, in, a, in a strange place? And so the next thing I heard, it took a few minutes for me to for it to sink in, this is what I heard. There's someone in the church. And so I remember thinking, well, you know, who is it? What, what do they want? And then, and then they said it again, someone's in the church. And, and I'm still trying to get my bearings and, and my body is wanting so desperately to go back to sleep. And so I said, well, just, just tell them to come back on Monday morning. And then they said it one more time. No, Trey, someone is in the church. What, I, what, I, what they were trying to tell me is someone had broken into the church and they were walking around in the church building in the middle of the night. We later found out that someone had actually gotten into the church and they were trying to get into the pastor's office to, to get some money. And so after I finally grasped what, what this person was trying to say to me, I'll put it this way, I had never been more awake in my entire life. And at that point, I kind of sprung into action. I knew that I had to, had to, had to respond, right? I got up and, and found my phone and, and I called the police and I grabbed my little multi-tool pocket knife. Some of y'all have heard me talk about that before. And uh, I ran downstairs right into the midst of it uh, to check on the others and kind of spring into action, right? And uh, 
as the story goes, we never actually found the man. By the time I got downstairs, he had already gotten out the building and, and was gone. The police got there, and all they found were, were the bats in the belfry that used to roam the halls at night. We literally had bats in the church that would fly up and down the hallways at night. That, that's a funny story in and of itself. Maybe I'll tell it another time. But needless to say, I don't think anybody went back to sleep that night, and it all started with this, this rude awakening of someone breathing on me and saying these words, wake up. I decided that was a, a, a good story to tell because the title of my sermon today is just that, wake up. And you'll see why here in just a second. I want you to think about that phrase for just a minute, wake up. It, it's a uh, it's a jarring phrase, isn't it? It, it kind of jolts us sometimes, especially if we hear it in a place where, where we're asleep. We know how, you know how disorienting it is to be awakened from a deep sleep, right? You know what that feels like? It, it takes a few minutes for us to kind of come to our senses and get our bearings and, and figure out how we need to respond to this phrase that's been spoken as our bodies uh, desperately try to, to get us to go back to sleep, right? Have you ever been in that place before? That kind of rude awakening? Well, the reason why I wanted to share that with you today, the reason why I thought it was important to, to start there today is because I believe that if you think about it, that, that's actually a pretty good description of, of the world we've been living in for the past year, year and a half or so. We've been living through what, what you might call a combination of a bad dream and a rude awakening, amen? Uh, it's been disorienting, it's been distressing, it's been jolting, it's been jarring, and in a lot of ways, we're, we're still trying to get our bearings. We're still trying to make sense of what's going on around us. And yet, in the midst of it all, I believe that, that God's Spirit is breathing on us. I believe that God's whispering, maybe screaming, maybe a little bit of both to our hearts. And what God is saying is, Wake up. It's time to, to spring into action. It's time to, to respond, to be who I have created and called and commissioned you to be. Uh, the scripture lesson that I want to read for you today, I think, gives us some, some encouragement and, and, and challenge along those lines. I want you to hear this is from Ephesians chapter 5. This is the Apostle Paul talking to the church, and he says this. For you once were darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. So live as children of light, for the fruit of light consists of goodness and righteousness and truth. Find out what pleases the Lord. Have nothing to do with the fruitless deeds of darkness, but rather expose them. It's shameful even to mention what the disobedient do in secret, but everything exposed by the light becomes visible and everything that's illumined becomes a light. This is why it is said, listen, this is why it is said, wake up, sleeper, rise from the dead and Christ will shine on you. I love that. Wake up, sleeper, rise from the dead and Christ will shine on you. Paul's telling the church, I think you, you've been asleep in the darkness of this world, but, but the lights are coming on because the light of the world has come to shed light and life on everything. 
You've been awakened to the good news of God's grace. So don't go back to sleep. Wake up. It's time to respond. It's time to spring into action. Listen to the rest of this, starting at verse 15. He says, be careful then how you live, not as unwise, but as wise, making the most of every opportunity because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the Lord's will is. Don't get drunk on wine, which leads to debauchery. Instead, be filled with the Spirit, speaking with one another, speaking to one another with psalms and hymns and songs from the Spirit. Sing and make music in your heart to the Lord, always giving thanks to God the Father for everything in the name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. I think Paul's saying to the church, we've been sleepwalking through this world of, of, of worry and, and warring. We, we've been filled with and we're filling it with things that will never satisfy. God's word is, is calling us to wake up to a world of worship and, and wonder filled with God's spirit. God is calling the church both then and now, both as individuals and as a church, to wake up to the power of the Holy Spirit working in and through and around your life and our life together. Because of the grace of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, because of the love of God the Father, because of the fellowship of the Holy Spirit, so that we can be a part of the awakening that God wants to bring about in the world around us. You know, as if you look back on, on the history of our, our, our country and the history of our world, every great awakening that's happened in the world, it starts with an awakening in the hearts of God's people. When God's people come to the realization that, that the same power that raised Jesus from the dead lives in them and moves through them, transformation begins to happen in them and around them. My friend J.D. Walt, you've heard me talk about him a number of times. He, he says, real Christianity means awakening to the mysterious reality of being raised from the dead before one actually dies. Think about that for just a minute. There's another great story in the Gospel of John about, about someone entering a building rather unexpectedly and about a group of people that were more than just a little terrified and yet they were jarred and jolted and, and awakened to respond. Listen to this. When it was evening on that day, the first day of the week, and the doors of the house where the disciples had met were locked for fear of the Jews, Jesus came and stood among them and he said, peace be with you. After he said this, he showed them his hands and his sides. The disciples rejoiced when they saw the Lord. Jesus said to them again, peace be with you. As the Father sent me, now I'm sending you. And when he said this, he breathed on them. And he said to them, receive the Holy Spirit. The resurrected Jesus comes to the disciples in the upper room on the evening of the resurrection and the disciples experience this wake-up call like nothing they'd ever experienced before. It was probably more than just a little jarring. And yet after they had experienced the risen Savior, they had never been more awake in their entire lives. There was no going back to sleep. 
It's actually the opposite of my story from my youth work summer, right? I was awakened from a, a peaceful sleep to a fearful reality, but the disciples were awakened from, from their fearful sleep to a peaceful reality. Not, not peaceful as in the absence of conflict, but peaceful as in the presence and power of God, a new reality where God would use their awakened lives to bring about a great awakening in the lives of others. My friend J.D. Walt, he, he's written a book, a study called The Awakened Life, and in it he says this. Listen to this, what he says about awakening. Simply put, awakening is the transformational process and outcome of following Jesus Christ. It is a personal, communal, and societal movement from darkness to light, from death to life. Chaos to order, despair to joy, anxiety to peace, poverty to flourishing, brokenness to wholeness. He says, awakening is the outcome of following Jesus by which the love of God the Father is poured into our hearts by the Holy Spirit. Awakening results from and leads to renewal of the church, evangelization of a generation, deep wholeness in people and transformation of society. Doesn't that sound like a beautiful thing? Isn't that what we're hoping for and praying for and longing to see and be a part of as God's people and as the church? I believe that, that if there was ever a time in our lifetime that we need a great awakening, if there was ever a time that we are primed and ready as a church, as a community, as a world, for a great awakening, it's right here, right now. Here's one of the reasons why I believe that. I, I'll give you a little illustration as an analogy, but I saw a, uh, saw a YouTube video recently about a girl who had a certain condition. It was a certain kind of narcolepsy where it was triggered specifically by fear. I don't know if you've seen it before, but I saw this YouTube video and it, her fiance posted this video of him pulling a prank on her. She was sitting on the couch, they were watching TV and, and she was sitting next to the door in her apartment and I guess he had arranged this with his brother but he busted in the door and, and it scared her and she, she just leaned right over onto the couch and went to sleep. And so, so the guy and the brother are sitting there just, just laughing and, and she's sound asleep on the couch and, and uh, I wasn't really laughing. The first thing I thought of I said, when this girl wakes up, her fiance is the one that's in for the rude awakening. Amen? Not cool. But the second thing I thought was this. That'll preach. I believe that there's a spiritual analogy to this, this heartbreaking condition. I believe that many of us suffer from a specific kind of spiritual narcolepsy where we're not scared to death so much as we're scared into sleep. I believe this is the condition of the disciples in the upper room. I believe that they had been awakened to the kingdom of God. They had been so filled with faith and trust that they were ready to run through a wall for Jesus. And yet after the crucifixion, they were, they were so filled with fear that they were hiding beyond behind locked doors. They had been scared into sleep. And ironically in this story, this time it's Jesus who who runs through a wall for them or, or to them to deliver this message. And the message is it's time to wake up, to spring into action, 
to respond to the good news of God's grace. I wonder how many of us would admit that we've wrestled with fear in this difficult, challenging season of life that we've lived in over the last year, year and a half. How many of us would, would, would acknowledge that we've wrestled with, with fear of, of losing our health or, or some of us have wrestled with, with fear of losing our freedom? I think at the heart of all of our fears is this fear of losing our control or at least our illusion of control. Can I just name that today? We wanna know that we're in control and we fear losing that sense of control. I think if you felt that way, you're in good company. I think that's exactly how the disciples felt in that upper room. They were afraid of of what the future held. And so they were, they were locked in this upper room. I also think the other side of that coin is they probably felt pretty safe locked behind the doors of that familiar place, right? I wonder if maybe they'd gotten comfortable in that, that somewhat controlled environment. And, and isn't that true for us too? Don't we sometimes get lulled to sleep by, by our own comfort, by the, the status quo? We get, we get stuck in our own habits or the ways that we've always done it. I've said this a few times over the past few months. Uh, I think it's true for all of us. But even as a church, I've talked about how I think some folks are, aren't comfortable coming back to church yet. But I think there are some folks that have gotten comfortable not coming back to church, right? Sometimes it's just easier. We've gotten in these habits of, of, of doing church and being the church a certain way, not just on Sunday, but every day of the week. And, and, and some of those are good and some of them are bad. You know, all, we've, we've all developed these habits. I'll give you a personal example. Uh, as, as, as tired as I am of doing Zoom and being on Zoom meetings and conversations, uh, one of the things that's been a blessing to me over the past year or so is that because of that, I've gotten to spend more time with my family, I think, than I have in any of the 20 years plus of ministry. Uh, sometimes having a meeting at night on Zoom means I get to eat dinner with my family and, and tuck my kids into bed at night. And so I'm so thankful for that. Um, but it, 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 it's, a, it's, a, it's a, a, a distant substitute for being face-to-face -face with one another, I think. And if we're not careful, we can get complacent and get too comfortable being apart. Uh, and sometimes it's hard to get back into the habit uh, of not just that, but, but get back in the habit of making our relationship with God and our relationships with God's people a priority in our lives. And, and I'm not saying anything about... Uh, connecting digitally, that there's anything wrong with that. And if you're worshiping online today, I want you to know that. I'm so thankful that you're worshiping with us online. There are many great reasons to do that. And, and I talk all the time about what a blessing it is to be able to connect with people online and, and how it expands our reach and, and our accessibility. And there are people that if we didn't have that, uh, we wouldn't be able to connect with you. And so I'm so thankful for that. I'm not saying that at all. I'm just saying that sometimes we get comfortable in, in these patterns and and if it's comfort that's, that's keeping you in a place that, that you know God wants to move you forward, then, then just maybe be open to how God wants to meet you in that place today. Whatever, whatever was going on in the hearts and minds of, of the disciples, Jesus meets them in that place and, and he does something really strange. After he gives them this challenge, as the Father has sent me, I'm sending you. What does he do? Verse 22, it says, he breathes on them. That sounds kind of weird, doesn't it? Why would Jesus do that? 
Why would Jesus breathe on them? He says, he breathes on them and he says to them, receive the Holy Spirit. Some scholars say that Jesus breathed on the disciples and he spoke these words to them about the Holy Spirit, that there's purpose behind it, that there's meaning underlying it. John is telling us, some say, that he's signaling to the readers this is a re creation event. This is what I mean. He's echoing the creation story. If you go all the way back to the book of Genesis, what you find is the spirit of God. Uh, the Greek word is pneuma. It's where we get the word pneumonia because it's, it's, it basically means the breath, the lungs. God is breathing. The spirit of God is breathing life into creation. And, and the word of God, it says that that God speaks creation into being. The word of God in Greek is logos, it's the same word that's used to describe Jesus at the beginning of John's gospel. Do you remember? In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was God, and the Word was with God. He was with God in the beginning, and the Word became flesh and dwelt among us, it's describing Jesus. So we've got the Word of God and the breath of God, the Spirit of God, here in this story. This is a sign of a new beginning. Last week, our district superintendent, Chip, Hunter came and he gave us this powerful message about the Spirit of God breathing new life into the valley of dry bones. And I think that's exactly what's happening here. Jesus is breathing new life into the dry bones of the disciples. This is about new life and new creation and a new beginning. The fresh wind of the Holy Spirit is the wind in the sails of their spirits and that of the early church. It's moving them forward into the future that God has for them. And it's not just them, but it's all those whose lives would be transformed by their lives and their message and their life together. It's this relaunch of God's people in light of the resurrection of God's son for the purpose of sharing the good news of God's grace. And I'm going to say it again. I say it all the time, but I want to say it today too. The beautiful thing about stories like this in the Bible is not just that it happened. It's that it happens all the time. It happens every time that folks like you and me allow God's spirit to breathe new life into our lungs and new life into our life together. This is a new beginning. I believe it's happening right now as we allow the fresh wind of God's spirit to fill our hearts with the love of God and to fill the sails of our fellowship to move us forward into the vision that God has for us of sharing life together in Christ. I'm going to talk about that vision next week a little bit more and in the weeks to come. So I hope you'll be here and I hope you'll invite others to come be a part of that. But for now, for this morning, I want to close by asking you just to consider and, and to pray through a couple of questions. I'm going to put them up on the screen. The first one is this, where is God's spirit breathing on you this morning? And to what might God want you to wake up today? And then finally, how might God want you to experience new life in Christ today? Maybe it's a, a new connection. Maybe it's a new commitment. Maybe it's a new sense of community. Maybe it's a, a new perspective or a new purpose or a new practice or priority that God wants you to make in your life. What, it, what would it look like for you to, to answer that call today of Jesus? As the Father sends me, I'm sending you. How is God calling you to wake up and, and spring into action today, to respond to what God has placed 
on your heart today. You know, in so many ways, I, I think this, this past year has been a wake-up call, not only to what matters most, but, but to what doesn't matter quite as much as we thought it did. And it's a unique gift that I hope we won't squander. We've been awakened to a new way to do life and do life together. And yet, as I mentioned earlier, sometimes when we wake up, we're tempted to go back to sleep, to hit the snooze button, to pull the covers back over us and return to that place of comfort and control. I wanna encourage you today and challenge you not to go back, but to move forward for the sake of Christ and his kingdom, for the sake of all the people here in our community of faith and for the people in our surrounding community that we would listen to the call of Christ to wake up, to spring into action, and to respond. So we're gonna start talking about that next week, what that looks like for us as a fellowship family. It's why we're doing the series I mentioned earlier, Fellowship Forward. How is God leading us forward as followers of Christ and as a church? But for today, I wanna leave you with this challenge from, from Paul's challenge to the Ephesians. He simply says, follow God's example. Therefore, as dearly loved children and walk in the way of love. Just as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us as a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. The worship team's gonna come back up and I just wanna invite you this morning. Uh, one of the things that we wanna begin to do again is to open up the altar. If you'd like to come and pray this morning, maybe God's got something on your heart. He won't, Maybe springing into action means just standing up and coming forward and, and coming to the altar to pray. If you wanna do that today, I'd love for you to do that. If you want somebody to pray with you, I'd be glad to do that today. Um, but however God's speaking to your heart, we wanna give you a few minutes to respond and uh, the band's gonna lead us in our closing song. But would you go with me to God in prayer? God, I thank you so much for your word and for your spirit that spoke so long ago and still speaks to us today. And the message is the same. As the Father has sent me, so I send you. As the Father loves me, so I love you. So love one another the way that I love you, the way that I demonstrated God's love and that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. That proves God's love for us. God, help us today to receive your love so that we might respond to your love, so that we might share your love with those around us. God, we love you and we thank you. And we pray this in Jesus' name, amen. Would you stand?